share with you uh, today uh, from 1 Corinthians 15 verse 56 to 58 and uh, it is it's a semi-coincidence but I know it's not coincidence that the Holy Spirit had prepared today this message I hadn't spoke to Shana I hadn't spoke to Seth but the subject he gave me was victory and so I want to speak around victory this morning I pray this is encouragement to you today. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 to 58, it says, it says, for sin is this thing that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, thank this awesome God, that he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. As I said, I want to talk to you about victory today. Victory. Uh, next weekend, we celebrate Easter. Uh, what I think is probably the most significant uh, day in our Christian calendar. A Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday. It's going to be amazing. You know, when we look at the cross, it's an incredible symbol. Uh, some see it as a symbol of death. Uh, some people see it as just a, a symbol of brutality, but I believe God wants us to look at the cross 
and see it as a symbol of victory. Victory through Jesus Christ. And not just any victory, but the greatest victory that had ever been won. A victory that literally has changed the trajectory of a lost humanity. A victory that you can rest your hope, future and life upon because it will never fade and never grow dim. You know, uh, I, I, I hate to bring up football in uh, church. There's a lot of sport in this service today, I'm telling you. Um, but in 97, 98, a wonderful team called the Adelaide Crows went, ran, ran, went, won the AFL Grand Final, right? Two years running, 97, 98, it was amazing. Two incredible years. As a supporter of Adelaide, it felt like I'd won too. And my life was awesome. I'm like, this is amazing. For two years, we were the best. We had defeated everybody else. No one could hold a candle to us. It was unbelievable. We milked it. We basked in it. We, we uh, took all the glory we possibly could from it. It was incredible. But the truth is, those victories are now old news. Uh, for the few people who still care or the less that actually have any attachment to them, because for the last 19 seasons, we've walked away defeated. We haven't been able to achieve that victory again. And, and that meant for followers of this team, we just, instead of having victory for the last 19 years, we just felt deflated and disappointed. And the team has been unable to replicate that feat again. You see, those 19 years, those victories 19 years ago, as exciting as they were, in the end, they were only temporary. They were just temporary victories. In other words, they were not great enough. They were not great enough victories to last for all time. They were good in that season. They were great in that moment. But who knows that the next season rolled around and they started from scratch again. Victory was no longer guaranteed. Now they had to fight. Now they had to push and, and press and, and hope that perhaps they could get back to that place of victory. And for almost two decades now, our team has had nothing to celebrate. All we've had is distant memories of times gone by. Here's what I want you to appreciate today. That the victory Jesus won is not like those victories. It's not a temporary victory. It's not a victory that just took place some 2,000 years ago and it's just a, a distant memory that's faded away ever since. No, no, no. The victory that Jesus won for us is still as life-changing, is still as hope-fulfilling, as still as eternity impacting in our lives today as it was on the very day that it was won for us. Amen? It's a victory that enables us each morning to live life to the full. It's a victory that enables us even today to come boldly and confidently into the presence of God without any fear. It's a victory that enables us to have joy in the midst of great tribulation. Oh my goodness. Struggle, let's say that. It strengthens us in our time of weakness. It comforts us in our time of distress. It's a victory that when the doctor's report says there's no way, that when the bank balance says there's nothing left, when the, when the employee's letter says you're gone. It's a victory that doesn't say that they are the final word. It's a victory that's not limited. It's not limited by natural boundaries or limitations or what you think, but it's a victory that is beyond the things of this world. It's a victory that removes our fear, gives us strength to endure, changes our outlook and gives us a constant reason to praise. It's an awesome victory that we get the privilege of living in each and every day. In fact, it's it's a victory that was so amazing that when Christ rose from the dead, any opposing contenders were completely destroyed. The, the reason there is not another season, the reason there's no longer a fight is because all the enemies were completely destroyed. It was such an emphatic, such a definite final 
victory that even though it was 2018 years ago, at just the mention of His name, the enemy still trembles. At just the name of Jesus, the awesome name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus, I don't know what's up against you right now. I don't know what's attacking your family. I don't know what's attacking your health or what might be attacking your finances, your business, your mind, whatever it is. But I want to bring it, I want to send it notice today that it has no authority in your life because it has already been defeated. It has already been overcome. The victory's already been won. If you believe it today, why don't you take 10 seconds just to give God some awesome praise because He is worthy to be praised. Come on, Paradise Campus. Oh, Praise it over your victory. Praise you, God, for the victory today. You see, this is what my Bible tells me in Philippians 2, verse 9 to 11. When the stone was rolled away, Christ came out of the grave. He walked on earth. He ascended to heaven. He was risen. It said, God exalted him to the highest place. And he gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every, not some, not just a few, not just a select uh, number, but every single knee should bow on heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Wherever it is, from heaven to hell, every knee shall bow. Every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That says to me that every sickness, every negative thought, every opposition, every enemy that, that comes against you, all you have to do is turn around and mention it to it, the name of Jesus, and it must surrender and bow down. You know what? I don't even think you need to say the whole name. I just think you begin to say J, 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 and it starts to get weak at the knees. It's hoping you're going to sneeze, but I'm not going to sneeze. I'm going to proclaim the name of Jesus over you, so you better back off. You better stand back because you have been defeated, so you must bow down in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Let's not take his name for granted. Let's not throw it around flippantly. There's power in the name of Jesus. It's the name above every other name. It's the name above every label. It's the name above everything that's tried to say, to try to categorize you or say you're this or that. It's the name. And all those things must surrender and bow down and be exposed for what they really are. When Jesus sent out the 72, and they went out to minister, it says in Luke 10 that they came back and they're ecstatic and they're like, man, this is amazing. And you know why they say, because we just mentioned your name, Jesus, and the demons submitted to us. Uh, let me tell you, church, there is coming a day. There is coming a day when all other gods, idols, things that claim to be something that they're not, things that said, hey, this is the way to the higher place, this is the person you're supposed to follow, people that had elevated themselves, there is coming a day when they will bow down and they will be exposed as the frauds and, and the charlatans that they are and they would realize, no, hang on, there is a real God, there is a real King, there is a real Savior, I submit to Him and I realize that I've been exposed for what I am. You see, no matter how powerful you think someone may be or how confident they seem to be or how high and mighty they have made themselves in the reality of the presence of God, they will bow down and worship. You see, every time you mention the name Jesus, you remind the enemy that he's been defeated. Every time you mention the name Jesus, he remembers that he's been defeated. You see, the only way or the only play, let's say, the only thing that the enemy has left is simply to try to trick you into thinking that there's still a fight going on. That's all he has left. That's why the Bible calls him the deceiver. Because he's trying to deceive us. He's trying to deceive us into thinking there's still a fight going on. He's trying to deceive you into thinking uh, into a place of defeatedness. He's trying to deceive you into a place of hopelessness. He's trying to defeat you into a place where you're backed in the corner and you think that you have no way out. He's the deceiver. He doesn't want you to know the truth. He doesn't want other people to find the truth. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the mind of those who don't believe. He doesn't want them to see that there's victory available for them. He doesn't want them to know that there's a better way. There's another way. There's a hope. There's a destiny. He, he wants to, to keep them blinded 
So he, he's blinded the eyes of unbelievers, but whoa, he made a big mistake. The biggest mistake he'd ever make. Because last time I checked, faith doesn't come by what you see. Faith comes by what you hear and hearing by the word of God. You see, the big mistake he made, he tried to blind their eyes. Don't let them see, but what about what they can hear? You see, this is why, church, we must not remain silent. We cannot be quiet, but whenever we have the opportunity, we must profess and we must declare and we must praise and we must shout aloud the greatness and goodness of our God. How awesome He is that whenever I remember that He took me out, He set my feet back on solid ground. He gave me a hope and a future. Let me not be quiet about that, but let me shout it from the rooftop how awesome God is. As we shout it out, let people hear it. No, there is a hope. I love what David writes, Psalm 34. Now keep in mind, when David wrote this, he, he was under attack. He, this was not a time when things were going well for David. He was being pursued by King Saul, who was trying to kill him. And uh, the only place he could find refuge was in uh, the territory of the Philistines, which were also his enemy. So you can imagine he's in a pretty bad spot. And it's probably a time when you're not, you know, when you wouldn't expect him to pen these words, but he says this in Psalm 34, verse 1 to 2. He says, I will honor the Lord at all times, good or bad. His praise will always be in my mouth. My soul will be proud to tell about the Lord. Let those who suffer hear it and be filled with joy. I love that. Let those who suffer hear it and be filled with joy. In other words, he says, let those who are doing it tough let those who maybe think that there's no hope, let those who feel like they're overcome, let those who feel like they just want to give up, they're uncertain about life, they don't know what it's doing, let those who feel that way, who don't know that there's a Savior, let them hear the praise and the testimony of my God that's coming out of my mouth. Let them hear it. Let it build faith in them to know, hey, you don't need to stay in that place, that there's a God who's won victory for you, that you can come out of that and you can have a hope and you can have a future. Proverbs 18, 21, it says this. It says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You see, here's, here's something I admire about David. Is that he recognized that as a servant of God, there's a responsibility to control what comes out of your mouth. He recognized as Christ's ambassador. As a person who believes in this almighty God, who, who, who loves him, there's a responsibility to control what comes out of your mouth. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. So that says to me, what comes out of your mouth can either draw people to life or push them away from life. What comes out of your mouth can either draw them to a savior or push them away from a savior. And David was determined. He said, whatever comes out of my mouth, I'm going to make sure that it's a praise to God no matter my situation. My question to you today is, what's been coming out of your mouth lately? What's been on the end of your lips? Has it been stuff that would draw people to a Savior? Or has there been some stuff that's coming out that might push them away from a Savior? When you're at home and, and, and the family's around, what's coming out of your mouth? Is it stuff that will draw your kids to God? Or is it stuff that might make them question, is God that good? When you're in your workplace and you're having a tough time and, you, and your workmates know you're going through a tough time, what's coming out of your mouth? Is it, oh, my life's over. Oh, this is a waste of time. Or, or you're saying, it's all good, man. I've got a God on my side. I've got a Savior who loves me. He's going to turn it all around for good. What's coming out of your mouth? David said, I'll make sure that praise is always on my lips. That the testimony of a great God is always coming out of my mouth. Because I don't know who's listening. And their ears are open. Their eyes may be blind, but their ears are open. What's coming out of your mouth? What's coming out of your mouth? Let it be Praise. Let it be victory. I believe this is one of the reasons why God looked at David and said, there's a man after my own heart. Because whenever he had the opportunity, he made sure that what came out of his mouth was just praise, was just testimony 
of how awesome God is. We need victory. Victory, victory, victory. Let victory be in your heart so that praise constantly comes out of your mouth. Let victory always be at the forefront of your mind. Let it be the thing you think about in the morning and the last thing you think about at night. So that all through your day, praise comes out of your mouth. Praise comes out of your mouth in the face of that opposition. You know what? The enemy can bring a lot of things against us, but the one thing he can't steal is what comes out of my mouth. I, I realized that a long time ago. That, that no matter what, you know what? Sometimes it's tough. It is so hard sometimes. But he can come up against me, but I will not give him the satisfaction of stopping praise come out of my mouth. Why would I allow him to do that? He might steal a whole lot of stuff from me, but he cannot steal the praise and joy and, and testimony that comes out of my mouth. I, I believe another reason why it's so important for us to live from a place of victory is because knowing the victory you have in Jesus will position you to face life's challenges from a different perspective, or I should say from the right perspective. Knowing you have victory will, will allow you to face life's challenges from the right perspective. James 1 verse 2 to 4, it says this, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let's look at that for a moment. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Now, I don't know about you, but when someone's asked me, hey, tell me about a joyful time in your life, it's generally not the time where I felt under trial. Right? It's the time when I felt like things were going awesome. I was feeling blessed. I was healthy. Everything in my family is going great. That's my time of joy. And yet James here writes, he goes, consider it pure joy when you face trials. Right? And from a natural standpoint, you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. But what we need to appreciate is that James was not writing this from a place of defeat. He was writing this from a place of victory. He was writing this already knowing how things end. He was writing this from a place of already, let's say, knowing the final score. The game hadn't been finished yet, but he already knew what the score was going to be. He already knew in the end that he was on the winning side. And it didn't matter what come against him now. It could not defeat him because in the end, he would be raised up with Jesus Christ in victory to live in there for eternity. So he said, consider it pure joy. I don't need to get disgruntled. I don't need to be put off. I don't need to be dismayed because come what may, I still win. Yeah, but, um, anyone here love to watch sport? Any, any sport fans? A couple of you. Fantastic. It's not, it's not a sin to love sport. It's all good. You know, um, I enjoy watching sport, but sometimes, you know, our busyness of our lives, we don't always get the opportunity to sit down and watch the game live. Uh, so you tape it. You record it, maybe. Uh, do we still do that? I think we still, some of us. I used to record it on a VHS years ago, right? We record the game maybe on your hard drive. Maybe you set your time. You record the game because you've got another appointment a wedding, dinner, whatever it may be. Now, when you record the game and you go out that evening or that day, what's the one thing you don't want to happen? You don't want someone to tell you the score, right? <laughs> you, you bar all social media. You turn off your 4G. You don't talk to anybody. Someone's talking about the game. You're like, la, 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 I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear. All right, you don't want to know the score. Because you want to be able to go home later that day or the next day and watch it like you're watching it live. Right. We, we have this weird thing where we want to experience the emotion. We want to go through the highs and lows. We want to have the drama of like we're right there. Right? Now that's fine if your team is winning. But some of us, that doesn't go so great if our team is losing. right? Like there's some of you, or maybe someone you know, when their team's losing, they go a little bit irrational. 
They jump off off the couch. They're yelling at the TV. They're finding something to throw or break. They're like, get out of here, dog. They're doing like that. They're going nuts. They're crying. They're weeping. Their heads in the cushions. They don't want to show themselves. Like they're depressed. They're up and down. They're all over the place. Emotionally unstable people watching these sports, right? Other people we know, not us, other people we know. You know, and I suppose that's okay. I suppose that's okay if it's just related to a game on TV, right? But what happens if that's the way you live your life? I believe that, that not just people who don't know Jesus, but even people who know Jesus... We, we go through life like this, thinking that we don't know how it's going to finish. We forget that we already know the final score. Right. We, we forget that we're already on the winning side. And so what happens is halfway through the game, when our team's behind, when our best player gets injured, when things aren't going our way, we start to freak out. We start to freak out when the business isn't doing well, when, when the family's having a, a struggle, when our health isn't right. We start to freak out and we think, wow, this opposition must mean my end. We start to think that that thing's coming against me must mean that I might as well give up, walk away. It's never going to happen. And we forget, hang on a sec. In the end, I come back and win. And what happens is we check out half time and we miss out on what God has for us. You know, Moses did this. One of the greatest leaders in all the Bible. You, you read his uh, eulogy. Man, it's amazing. But he did this. Here he is on the edge of the Jordan River, about to step into the promised land. Like this is, God's already told him what the final score is. God's already told him, you're going to go in there, possess it, you win, it's yours. He gets to the edge of the Jordan River, and he sends out 12 spies to go check out the land. He goes, go check it out, see if it is as God says it is. The 12 spies go out. They come back. And 10 out of the 12 spies reported back, yes, the land is exactly as God says it is. It's, it's spacious. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's amazing. Just one thing, there's, there's these big, there's some pretty big dudes there. They've got some big weapons. Uh, they, they seem a lot bigger than us. Like we can't. We're going to have no chance, right? And here's Moses. He's in this moment. God's already told him the final score, and he, he forgets. And he's like, yeah, you're right. They're too big. He's right there about to possess what God has for him, and yet he walks away at half time. He walks away. And he goes, yeah, no, it's too hard. He never reached the promised land. For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness where he died and that generation died as well. And the next generation suffered too. Here is, he's right there. It's, it's the problem is Moses, he, he, had a, he had a short-term perspective. He was so focused on what was happening to him at that moment that he forgot how it all ends. And sometimes we can get so caught up in what we're going through right now, that, that, that tough situation, what's happening in our marriage, what's happening in our business, what's happening in our health. Oh, we get caught up in all these things and we're like, well, it's over. And God said, well, if you were just to take a step back for a moment and, and take yourself out of that thing, don't let it deceive you into thinking it's over because if you were to step back, you'd realize I've already told you the score. I've already told you that you win. I've already told you there's an awesome comeback and that you will rise again with your Savior. You live in victory, amen? You live in victory. You've already won. You see, when you understand that, it changes the way that you view things. No longer do you feel like you just go from one defeat to the next, but you can consider it pure joy. When there's trials of many kind, because you realize they're not about to take you out, but God can use what the enemy brought against you to produce something great and fruitful inside of you. Amen? You live in victory. You see, whenever you take your mind off his victory, you give the enemy authority. Whenever you take the mind, your mind off his victory, you give the enemy authority. Right? But when you live from a perspective of victory, 
when you realize that you've already won, then it doesn't matter how far behind you feel right now. You know in the end, you're going to outrun that enemy and you will win. Amen? Come on, let's give God some praise. Let's give him some praise. You win. You win. In the end, you win. Whatever it is, you get to have the last laugh. Nothing. It doesn't matter how challenging or difficult it is right now. In the end, you win. It doesn't matter what's coming against you physically, emotionally. In the end, you win because you'll be raised up. You'll be given a new body that's fully healthy, a mind that's fully at peace, a heart that's full of joy in the presence of God. So even if this body isn't healed here, I tell you, one day it will be. And in the end, you can look back and say, I have victory in Jesus' name. I get to live in this body forever, this healthy whole, full of life and joy. Victory. Don't be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. Victory is yours. The keys can come. Let me finish with this. Just a couple of thoughts from this key verse today. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. I'll read it again. It said, but thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory over sin and death. Just leave that verse up there for us, guys. That'll be fantastic. So he gives us victory. over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Three things I want to let you know from this verse. First of all, God is the source of victory. But thank God, He gives us victory. The source of victory we found is, is not found in something that the world has to offer. You, you won't find it out there. You won't find it in what the world tells you. You know, try this, try that. That, that victory is not found there. There's just pain and disappointment. It'll let you down. It's not found in fame or fortune, a career, a pile of degrees. It's not found in a pill or the bottom of a bottle. It's not found in meditation, Buddha or Muhammad. The only victory that is found is found through our God. He's the source of victory. The creator of the world, the almighty God. It's found in him. The second thing you need to know is victory is something that God gives you. But thank God he gives us this victory. You don't need to earn it. You don't have to stress or strive for it. It's something that God wants to give you. He wants to give you this victory. He doesn't want you to miss out. That's good news, amen? Because that means it's not just for a select few or because this person's favored or that person's favored or that person's got it going on or that person's better. No, no, no. It's a free gift. It's a gift from God because He loves you unconditionally, because He's full of grace for you, because, because He wants you to be part of His family. He wants you to live. Uh, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full. That sounds like victory to me. It's a purpose. It's a gift. The third thing is that victory is received through Jesus Christ. But thank God He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory is found through Jesus. Through Jesus. The way you get access to the gift of victory is through Jesus Christ. If you want to live in victory, you must first know Jesus. You need to know Jesus. John 14 verse 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father. We could probably say no one comes to victory except through me. God is the source of victory. It's something he wants to give us. And it was at the cross that Jesus made it available to us. When Jesus died and he rose again, he rose with victory in his hand. He had defeated everything the enemy could ever try. And the Bible says that he didn't just rise for himself. He rose for every person who would ever believe in him. You know, right now, if you know Jesus, 
you're living eternal life right now. Often we have this conception, uh, this mindset that, oh, that's something that I'm going to get. No, you're actually living in it right now. Because you're going to live on forever. Forever connected to Him. Not physically alive, but spiritually alive. All because of what Jesus did. You have victory. You have victory over sin and death. It cannot touch you anymore. You are completely free from it. You are free from the punishment of sin. You are free from it all. You have complete victory through Jesus Christ. Your life is never the same. Once you accept Jesus Christ into your life, does that mean life is always perfect and easy? No, it's not. But at least I have a God who's by my side, who loves me, who's with me, who's for me. And in the end, I know I win and I have victory. I can face anything. Do not be deceived into thinking that thing that's coming against you has any authority over you. It does not. It's just trying to deceive you. It's trying to trick you. It's trying to make you think that it's over, that the fight's still on. It's not on. The fight between God and the devil is like an elephant and an ant. It doesn't have any chance. You live in victory today. Victory today.